What's up, everyone? This is Brian Ward, host of the Data Podcast, the podcast show for dads, about dads, being dads. I'm super excited that you're here and for the guests that I have on the show today. But before we get to the interview, if you have not yet subscribed to my show, please make sure you smash that subscribe button so you don't miss a single episode. Also, make sure you subscribe to my YouTube channel as well. The link is in the show notes. Now, let's get on with the show. Welcome to another episode of Dad Up, everyone. Thank you guys very much for joining me. I have a very special guest today. Conversation that we are going to have today may get a little tough, but this is an important message that we need to get across. And I'm so thankful that my good friend Kayla Steckline has joined me on Dad Up. Thank you very much for joining me, Kayla. Thanks for having me. It's an honor to be here. Appreciate it. For my listeners who may not know who you are, um, let's run through a little backstory and we can go as far back as you want, but a little backstory on you. Uh, and then obviously, you know, how you and Drew met, and then obviously we'll get into that whole story of you and Drew, uh, and the stuff that he went through. Uh, and then obviously this is a dad podcast. Uh, so I want to hear about your kids as well. Yeah, sounds great. So, oh goodness. Um, 2018 is really when my life had a big switch, a big change. My husband, Andrew, we had been married for almost eight years. We were married in 2010. Uh, We met in college, got married really fast, went to a small Christian college. The whole ring by spring thing was a thing. There was a ring by spring my senior year. Um, Got married really young. I was 21. He was 22. And we hit the ground running in ministry. And life threw some really hard, fast curveballs our way, kind of right away. His dad was diagnosed with leukemia during the first year of our of our marriage, and his dad was a lead pastor of a really big church. And so Andrew became the lead pastor through the leukemia journey. Um, Andrew stepped up and became the lead pastor, and he was super young. We were starting a family. Uh, we had two little boys when he became the lead pastor and had our third little boy the year after that. And um, after... After he became the lead pastor, just a few months later, his dad ended up passing away from um, leukemia. And so we had this big church that we were running. We had a young family that we were taking care of and raising. We're dealing with grief because his dad passed away. And really all of that seemed to catch up with my husband. And he started struggling with his mental health. And in April of 2018, um, he was diagnosed with depression and we tackled it head on. We were doing everything we knew to do to help him, to support him, to walk with him through it. He took a sabbatical, took time away from the church, time away from ministry. He was seeing a psychiatrist. He was taking medication. We were seeing a therapist together. He was taking solo trips, like you name it. We tried it. We were trying everything we knew to do to get him better. And by the end of that summer in 2018, we really thought he was getting better. And so the doctors released him to go back to work. He went back to work on August 1st, 2018, hit the ground running, gave two powerful weekend messages on mental health, was talking about depression, was talking about suicide, gave out the suicide hotline number. And it was powerful. I mean, it was so powerful. People were double dipping. They were coming back from multiple services, bringing their friends. They were so grateful for his vulnerability, which at the time, not a lot of pastors were talking about mental health. I think it's shifted a lot since then. But at the time in 2018, not a lot of pastors were going there. So it was really appreciated. And unfortunately, the following week, um, 
Andrew had told our staff and told our family that his mental health was at about 65%, that he wasn't back to 100%. He was hoping to ease back into ministry over time. Um, but if you know anything about ministry, you can't really ease back in. It's very difficult to ease right back into ministry. It's kind of a full on thing. And so as he was easing back in, he had some a really hard day at the office. And unfortunately, his mind was still broken. His mind just wasn't fully able to process some events that happened that week. And so his mental health took a turn for the worst. And it was a turn, a big enough turn for our staff and our family and our board of directors to kind of say, whoa, 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 like he's not okay. Maybe he went back to work too soon. Maybe there's, maybe he needs more help. And so um, the following day, while we were away from him for just a little bit, trying to get him the help that he needed, um, he attempted suicide and it was an absolute shock. I mean, it's still saying that I've, I've told this story so many times, um, but still saying that even today, it's like, I can't believe that happened. And he was rushed to the hospital and God gave us the gift of one last day with him. We were able to hold him and cry with him and sing over him and pray over him and um, say goodbye to him. And so on August 25th, 2018, he took his last breath. And with that, I took my first in this life I never saw coming as a single mom of three little boys who were two, four, and five years old at the time, and as a widow at 29 years old. Um, a whole brand new life that I truly never saw coming. And so these last four years, almost four years, it'll be four years in August, um, has been stepping into that new life. Um, it's been picking up the microphone that was handed to me. You know, our story kind of went viral, it was spread all over the internet. People were talking about it, it was making the news headlines. So it's in the newspaper on the Los Angeles Times. I mean, it was everywhere. And so I was given the opportunity to either choose to pick up the microphone and say something or choose to allow our story to be told for us and stay quiet and not say anything at all. And so it was really important for me that Andrew's life be defined by the way he lived, not just the way he died. And so I, choose, I chose to speak and I chose to speak boldly about mental health. I chose to kind of help my my passion last four years has been to bridge the gap between mental health and ministry and just to have open conversations and talk about suicide differently and talk about depression differently. And, and um, it's been such a gift and an honor to be able to do that. So I wrote a book about our story. Um, the book released in 2020, which was a wild ride to be launching a book in 2020. Um, it's called Fear Gone Wild. And um, it was really a book that I wrote for my boys to one day be able to read with them and walk them through. And so they can fully understand with compassion and empathy, the journey of their dad's mental health and why what happened happened. Um, but I know that um, God has used it in so many ways to help so many people. I mean, the stories that have flooded in um, have been really powerful. So I've just been so grateful um, for the way that God has used our story for good. And um, it's a really hard story. It's a really hard life. You know, a single mom of three little boys is not an easy life. Um, but God has been really kind to us. And we're rebuilding our life and actually have another book coming out this fall called Rebuilding Beautiful. Um, that's kind of about that next chapter of, of what do you do when the really hard thing happens? What do you do when the really fast 
curveball comes hurtling your way. How do you rebuild your life? So um, that's really fun. That was really fun to write after writing Fear Gone Wild's really intense uh, book that I wrote. It was really fun to write something that was lighter, positive and encouraging. So that's a really long um, description of our life and how I got to this interview with you. But yeah, that's kind of an overview of it all. Well, first of all, let me just say, um, I'm sorry for your loss. Um, I'm sorry that you as a family and your boys had to go through uh, such a traumatic um, event. Uh, But I will say this, uh, I am very familiar with the church. Uh, My wife and I have gone to the church for many, many years. My boys are 23 and 20. And we started at the church, it's Inland Hills Church. We started at the church when my older son was um, a very young boy. I think he was around six, I want to say about six years old uh, when we started there. Um, and the funny thing is, I knew Andrew when he was, you know, a little guy. Uh, so to watch yeah. him grow up and uh, grow up in the church, uh, and then eventually seeing you uh, in the picture as well, um, it was a really uh, special uh, memory of ours as a family, just kind of witnessing you as a family and Uh, not only that, but the church grow. Uh, And we were devastated uh, of the loss of Dave. Uh, We were excited for the journey that Drew was about to go on taking over. Uh, And we were very pleased with how well he seemed to, as you said, kind of stepped into that role and hit the ground running. He did very well. And we enjoyed the services that he gave. Um, And so for for us as a family, you know, we grieve with you and we grieved with a, with the community uh, in the loss of Drew. Um, but I want you to know that, you know, you guys are always in our prayers uh, and your boys, uh, you know, I watch you on social media. Your boys are phenomenal. They're, I mean, they're, they look so much like both of you guys. Uh, it's incredible. Um, but you have, you know, Smith and Jet and Brave, uh, awesome names, first of all, awesome names. Uh, but they're just growing up to be these, these just happy young men. Uh, and I'm sure that, you know, Drew watching over them uh, is proud of who they are and the young men that they've become or are becoming. So um, kudos to you for doing the job that you've been doing over the last few years since, since uh, Drew left us. But so I appreciate it. Um, let me ask you this, you know, kind of being raised in a church and having the relationship that you have with God and, and your faith um, for somebody to, like you to go through this experience um, is, was there a time that you questioned your faith? And what advice would you give to maybe parents? I have, believe it or not, you know, this is a dad podcast, but 60% of my audience is dads and 40% is women. So um, mm-hmm. th- this podcast is really for parents. Um, I guess, did, were there a time that you questioned your faith? And then what advice would you give to maybe parents that may be struggling through a traumatic experience like this? And starting to question faith in God, you know, asking God, why is it, why did you let this happen? That kind of, you know, that kind mm-hmm. of questions go in our mind. So um, what would your, what would your uh, advice be for that? I think you can't walk through an experience like that and not question your faith. Um, trauma, suffering, tragedy, all those things make us wonder, make us look up 
and ask, you know, God, how could you have allowed this to happen? Even tragedies like last week in Texas at the, mm-hmm. you know, the school shooting, it's like, it makes us look up and like, why would a good God allow something so tragic and so horrific to happen? And so it's been, I would say the last four years for me has been a wrestling um, with my faith. It's been a wrestling with God. And it was a wrestling with God before Andrew died. Um, Before Andrew died, I was wrestling with God and asking God, why are you allowing this depression? We've already been through so much. Our family's already been through so much. Why are you allowing the panic attacks? Why are you allowing the anxiety? Why are you allowing the depression? And then ultimately, like, why did you allow the suicide to be filtered through your hands? I mean, it was something that God could have stopped and he didn't. And I don't think it was God's plan A for Andrew's life. Um, but I just, yeah, I think a lot of, a lot of the time when really hard things happen, it makes us question everything. And so, you know, my faith journey the last four years really has been this wrestling with God. It's been asking God the hard questions. It's been approaching faith differently. It's been approaching prayer differently. Um, Sometimes my prayers, I get out of bed, I throw my hands in the air and I say, God, help me get through another day. Um, Sometimes my prayer is sitting on the couch in the morning and I have my journal and I'm so grateful and I'm crying because I'm so grateful. Sometimes my prayer is laying on the floor with my face on the ground and I'm weeping because my life is so hard. And it is a constant, you know, like back and forth, like I trust you, God, I love you, God, I can see you in this God. And then the next day, where are you, God? Why aren't you fixing this, God? Why is this so hard? And so um, I think normalizing that, you know, that it's not this like, um, I see God and I'm with God and my faith is so like deep and wonderful all the time. Like, that's not true. Um, I think for all of us, our faith journey is this back and forth, is this like any kind of relationship, you know, it's, it ebbs and flows. It's not always high highs all the time. And so um, I would say, you know, these last four years, I've really been able to get honest with God. I've been able to get honest with my faith. And there have been times where I've questioned, like, should I walk away from this whole thing? Um, does this fit? Um, how do, how do, how do I fit into this whole faith thing now that Andrew's gone? How do I fit into this whole faith thing now that um, I'm not doing ministry full-time as a pastor's wife? Um, How do I raise three boys to know God? How do I find a church after being a pastor's wife? I mean, honestly, I still haven't found a church. Mm -hmm. Um, It's been really difficult. Um, And for many people that maybe are listening that that, you know, COVID was the great shakeup of going to church and you've maybe struggled too in finding a church. Like it's okay if it takes you a while to get back into church. I want to normalize that too. Like it's okay if it takes some time. It's okay if it takes visiting a hundred churches to find the right church for you. And really the last four years we've been doing that. We've been church shopping and we thought we found our church and then COVID happened or watching church online. And so I still um, value value church tremendously. I still think it's um, really important to raise my boys um, to know God. Um, and I think going to church is part of that and a huge part of that. And I don't want all the pressure on myself as a single parent to have to um, integrate that to our lives. And so having the camps and having the youth group and having that experience is so important for them. And I want that for them. So we're trying our best to get back there. Um, but yeah. I would say the biggest takeaway for me the last four years is that, um, you know, trusting in God and and doing life with God um, 
is something that's like constantly evolving and that God can be found other places than just the church. Um, even though the church is so important and I want to get back into it and I want to get my boys there, we can encounter God everywhere. I think that's been the biggest takeaway for me um, in my journey is that, you know, it was like God went from this little box and this, you know, this, this little tiny God to like, oh my gosh, God is everywhere. I remember those first few weeks after Andrew passed away, like literally pulling my car to the side of the road because there was a rainbow in the sky and I needed to stop and stare at it. I remember driving down to the beach and sitting on the sand and staring at the ocean and being just overwhelmed at the vastness of God. I remember all these things happening, all these doors opening, all these opportunities coming my way in those first six months and looking up at the sky and knowing it, it was only God. Um, so I've had these really powerful moments, these really tangible moments where I know God is actively moving in my life, where he's opening doors that I couldn't open on my own. Like that has happened fully um, cannot deny that that's happened in my life. And even for my friends too, having a front row seat to what God was doing after Andrew passed away, we would sit at the coffee shop and I'd be sharing with them, you know, what God was doing in my life. And they would be crying and like saying, I, I've never seen the hand of God more than I've seen the hand of God in your life after Andrew passed away. And so God has been with us. Um, God has truly opened every single door for us and helped us rebuild our life. And I wouldn't be where I'm sitting today without God. So I know, you know, that is like such a powerful, important, most important part of my life. And I want that for my kids as well. And I think as a parent, it's so hard um, that the spiritual journey, leading our kids with a spiritual journey, it's their own journey. You know, it's like that it's their own journey. So as much as we want, as much as we take them to church, as much as we pray together as a family, as much as we talk about God, as much as we read scripture together, like ultimately it's their own journey and they're going to have to figure it out on their own and they're going to have to find God on their own. I know for me, like, as I was growing up, like my biggest encounter with God wasn't when I was in junior high or high school. My biggest encounter with God was when I left the home and went to college and found God on my own. So if you're a parent and you have a junior high or high schooler and they don't want to go to church and they don't believe in God and they don't understand the whole faith God thing, I would just say like, continue to pray for them, um, continue to model for them um, what it looks like to, to walk with God and to have faith in God and to do life with God and to trust that God's going to take care of them, to trust that God has them, to trust that God is going to invite them into these encounters with his presence throughout, throughout their life and that they will have the opportunity to meet God if they haven't met him already. And we can only do so much as a parent and the rest of it, we have to let go and let God um, do his thing. Yeah, I love that. And, you know, I think about when parents struggle with uh, questioning their faith. Uh, I think one of the things that we should remember as, you know, as followers of Christ is that when you're questioning your faith, it's important for us to lean in more. Uh, if you feels like, if it feels like God's not there or God's not listening or things aren't getting done the way you think they should be because God's not answering your prayers. Um, I think it's important for us to remember that we need to lean in more, lean in more to God, uh, get closer to him, even though it feels like he's not there, get closer to him because 
there's a lot that goes on behind the scenes that God's doing and working in our lives that we don't even see yet. So leaning into him and getting closer to him is important. Um, so that's awesome that you share that. How do you instill uh, the love uh, of God and faith in your boys? Cause they're young um, and they have mm-hmm. probably have a million questions. So mm-hmm. how do you instill the love and faith in God in them? Mm-hmm. You know, I think it's just part of our daily conversation. Um, you know, I think it's modeling for them most of the time when they come out of their bedrooms in the morning, I'm sitting on the couch and I have my Bible and my journal and I'm having my quiet time in the morning. Um, I think it's, I think it's loving people really well. I mean, that's like the greatest commandment that Jesus left us with is to love others, you know? And I think that that's the biggest way that we can model faith and model love and model God's love for our kids is to be decent human beings, (laughs) to be kind to people and nice to people and love people and teach our kids to approach people that way. You know, when my kids have a problem with somebody at school or they feel like someone at school or someone at the skate park or someone on the soccer team, is being rude to them or unkind to them. Um, I try to approach it in a loving way and, and tell them, you know, like you have no idea um, what, what your friend is going through at home. You have no idea um, what maybe they are going through on their own. Like you have no idea what their, what their whole story might be. And so we can always be compassionate. We can always be kind. We can always be loving. And if they're being really mean, go tell the teacher. But, um, you know, I think, I think the biggest way that we model faith and model God's love is to, is to be love is to be the love with skin on. And, um, I really try to do that for my boys. And then I also think, you know, involving them in church as much as possible. And we're still on a journey of trying to figure out what that looks like for our family. Um, But I think that that's a huge part. You know, I think it's, it's, it's a team effort. (laughs) I think it's too much for parents to do on their own. And I, some of my best memories are from growing up in youth group growing up. It's from going to the Wednesday night youth thing. It's from going to the summer camp at Hume Lake, you know, it's doing the really fun youth things, um, church things growing up. And so I think it's a partnership with the local church. It's a partnership with community. It's being in a community of people that love God too. And so you're not the only one that's dripping faith, that's dripping um, uh, loving God into your kids' lives. You know, other people are dripping that into their lives too. And I know family members are doing that for my kids. I know friends are doing that for my kids. I know I'm not the only one praying for my kids. Um, so I think remembering that it's, it's not all on you. Um, you know, it's not all on me and I try to do the best I can to, to model what I can. Um, but I have to also involve other people and it's really a group effort to teach my kids what it looks like to be in a loving community, um, and to follow God and to trust in God and every day. Yeah. It takes a village, right? Uh, that's, mm-hmm. what, that's what we always say with parenting. It takes a village. Um, I want to ask you thinking back to memories, um, uh, with Drew, um, what's one memory that sticks out to you, uh, that, um, I don't know, was a special memory. Uh, can you think of one? I'm probably, there's probably m- many, but what's one in particular that sticks out to you? Hmm. The, um, one of my favorite memories, that was kind of one of the last memories that we made together. We had taken a two week road trip, just the two of us. 
after um, that summer sabbatical. It was during that summer sabbatical where he was taking time off work and he was wrestling with depression. It was just a few months before he passed away and um, didn't even know that that was coming. And we had taken this two-week road trip. We went to Park City, Utah, and Andrew really wanted to go off-roading. He was like talking about it the whole time. He really wanted to rent one of those little dune buggies and go off-roading. And so we did. We found a place that had him and we showed up and we got a little dune buggy and he was so excited and we took off into the mountains and it was the most beautiful day. I mean, breathtakingly beautiful day. It had been a really hard summer walking alongside somebody that's struggling with their mental health. I mean, it was really, really hard. And so it just felt like this um, day sent from heaven. It was like the most beautiful day. The view was beautiful, the big green mountains covered in trees. It felt like heaven. I remember saying to Andrew, like, this feels like heaven. Like it was so stunning. And he was so happy. He was so happy. He was laughing. He was having fun. He dropped me off a couple of times so he could go back and zip through these big mud puddles and like big splashes of water were coming up and he was getting soaked from head to toe. And he was just having a blast. And it was the happiest that I had seen him in a really long time. And it was just such a special, precious, treasured day, a day that I um, will keep close to my heart for the rest of my life. And I'm so grateful that God gave us the gift of that road trip. Um, they gave us the gift of that really, really good, really, really special day. And I actually got to take my boys back um, to that same exact spot. We actually oh, cool. ended up in, this, in the same exact dune buggy. Um, the second Father's Day after the second year after he had passed away, we took a little road trip to Idaho and we stopped at that same place in Park City and did that little dune buggy ride. And I was able to talk to them about that really special day with their dad. So it was really, oh. really cool to be able to do that for Father's Day just a few years after he passed. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, yeah, you could never go wrong getting into a dune buggy and <laughs> just tearing through and not having a care in the world. Um, yeah, we... Uh, my family uh, and I went to Hawaii last summer and we did that in Hawaii. Uh, and it is, it's a lot, you get dirty, uh, but it's a lot mm -hmm. of fun. Um, uh, that's awesome. That's a great memory. That's a great memory for sure. Um, I want to talk a little bit about your book um, and just have a, you know, just a general question, you know, your book fear gone wild. What was the mission behind the title and the book? What was the mission behind mm -hmm. it? Yeah, so the title, um, as I was researching what to call the book and trying to figure out what to call the book, um, I came across this definition of panic attacks, and the definition was fear gone wild. And mm. I just was like, whoa, that's what happened. That's what I feel like happened. That's what I feel like happened in Andrew's mind. That's what I feel like happened in our home. That's what I feel like happens oftentimes when someone is struggling with mental illness, when they're struggling with their mental health. It really felt like fear just spread like wildfire through his mind. And for, for us, um, the journey was a physical journey. You know, he had a, a, a real chemical imbalance happening in his body and in his mind. And it was also a spiritual journey. There was some really dark spiritual things happening in Andrew's mind and in our home as well that were very scary for him. So there were some um, moments where where he was really terrified. And so that's where I, that's why I felt like that title just was so fitting for our journey and what I felt like happened. And 
after he passed away, it's like our home didn't have that anymore. Our home didn't have that fear anymore. Our home didn't, I didn't feel that fear anymore either. And so just really interesting um, how that happened. And I'll never understand how that happened, but the title just felt like, yes, that's like exactly describes our journey. And so, you know, my hope um, with the book was to uh, fling open the conversation about mental health, was to be as honest as humanly possible on my end of the journey and my experience. And in a lot of the book, I talk about how I felt. And for those that are walking alongside somebody that's struggling with their mental health. Um, it's really hard as a, as a caretaker, as a caregiver, um, trying to love somebody who's struggling with their mental health. I mean, they become a completely different person and it's a huge learning curve and every journey is so different. And for us, it's like, we didn't have enough time. It's like, as we finally were able to try to see like, Oh, we're dealing with a completely different person. Like this isn't the Andrew that I married. This isn't the Andrew that he was like three or four years ago. Like this is a completely different version of him and he's sick. By the time we were able to see that and fully understand that it was like too late. Um, So I really wanted to give kind of a bird's eye view of what it looks like to walk alongside somebody that's struggling with their mental health and give some tangible. I didn't want to just tell a sad story. I also wanted it to be like helpful. And so I tried to give some tangible things that people could um, apply or think about or process as they're walking alongside somebody. Um, I wanted to help people step towards empathy and compassion instead of judgment and shame. Um, I wanted to break some of the spiritual stuff too and and talk about how, yes, it is, you know, depression can be a spiritual thing. I think sometimes it's overly spiritualized in the church. Um, I think the spiritual part, we're spiritual beings. So it's always going to be a part of whatever we're facing. Um, But I was really honest about that as well. I have a whole chapter called Stranger Things that I talk about this um, spiritual warfare, the spiritual journey that Andrew was on during his depression. That was really scary for him. So, you know, my hope um, in the whole thing is ultimately to save people from suicide and to help people love people that they're walking with that are struggling with their mental health. And if it helps them love their loved ones better, and if it helps them save some lives from suicide, then like that's the best that I can ask for. That's like all I can ask for um, with that message. And then ultimately it's for my kids. Um, It's for one day to be able to sit down with them when they have a bunch of questions and to be able to read this with them and to have an open dialogue with them um, through each chapter. They can ask questions. And I think the gift of writing that book, I, I wrote it fast. I mean, I wrote that book during the very first year of grief, which for some people might be like, whoa, that was way too fast. Um, but, but what I, I had talked to some other authors and they had suggested doing it right away while the memories were fat, were fresh. Um, while I was still grieving, while I was in the messy middle place, while everything was raw and real and fresh. And so I got the words all down, um, while they were there, I got all the memories down while they were there, while they were fresh, while it was in the aftermath of what happened. And, um, I think that is such a gift for my kids too. Like I wouldn't be able to describe some of those moments, some of those conversations, the way that I did then now. Um, Mm -hmm. Because it's been too long and the memories aren't as fresh. So 
I'm so grateful that I chose to write that. I'm so grateful that I put pen to paper. And I always encourage anybody that's walking through something difficult, like get a piece of paper out, get a pen down. If it's not a whole book, like then write, write down a little bit, write down something that either you can look back on and see and see what God's done, see where you were at and see where God has taken you or, or that you can look back and, and share with your family or share with your loved ones. Or this is how I was feeling then. This is why this happened or this is what God's done for us. Um, I think stories are so powerful and we all have a story to share and we all, our stories are healing. Our stories um, are helpful. Our stories are so powerful. So there's something really powerful about writing your story down. And I'm so grateful that I did. Yeah, I am as well. Um, and I agree with you. It's it, as tough as it may have been, it's important to know that uh, to get those things out when it's fresh uh, is best. And I think that uh, one of the things I talk a lot about on my show is journaling. Journaling is so important. Um, just taking a few minutes to write down some thoughts that are on your mind, getting those thoughts down on paper is uh, so much healthier for you um, as a person uh, going through your daily, you know, whatever it is, your daily struggles or your daily, uh, you know, great things that are happening through you during the day, journaling those things and keeping those memories um, close to you is important. You know, after losing their grandfather and then their dad, who's kind of stepped in uh, to help raise you know, them to be men of God, um, who's, mm -hmm. who's kind of been that, you know, that role model father figure to them now. And then um, how have they led or guided your boys uh, in the way that their grandfather or even father would have wanted? You know, I think they've had a lot of people um, that have stepped in. And I think that those people are their, their uncle is a huge one. Their, their dad's brother. Um, they love their uncle so much. And, you know, in those first few years, he was very intentional about picking him up from school and planning adventures to take him on, took him on fishing days and took him to go skateboarding and took him to go play soccer. And even still, you know, he just had a little boy, his first little boy, and he's there at the soccer games. He's there at the baseball games he's cheering him on from the sidelines my son doesn't have a phone yet but he has one of those like little watches and so he'll call him on his watch he'll text him on his watch and um, they have this really special relationship with their uncle and I'm so so grateful for that and then my dad too you know has stepped in in a huge way and their papa um is there for them. And he's, my dad's been so helpful these last three months, we've been like completely remodeling our house. And so he's here um, on most weekends and my boys are right next to him with a hammer and a drill and he's teaching them how to do, you know, stuff around the house. And um, I think coaches are a huge part for little boys. You know, I think having those, those different coaches, you know, baseball coaches and football coaches, and my boys are really into sports. So they do like every single sport. Um, but all the coaches, you know, are able to step into that role in a way, you know, not in a very deep way. Um, they haven't yet, at least, but to be able to hang out with with the guy that's, you know, like a, their dad's age is super special for them. Um, yeah, so I, yeah, it's been a, a team effort of men stepping into my boy's life and even friends, you know, friends and my friend's husbands um, will take them surfing or take them shooting or take them fishing, um, take them camping. And we're actually looking into doing 
it's like a Boy Scout version of Boy Scouts. It's not Boy Scouts um, that one of the, their friend's dads invited them to do with him and his son where they can go do more man stuff. So oh, <laughs> I try awesome. as much as I can to involve men that are safe um, into their lives. And I know that's really important for them. Yeah. And they, they love it. I mean, they're like manly little boys. <laughs> they love all the boy stuff. They're like all boys. So I need <laughs> I need all the help I can get. <laughs> That's awesome. And, you know, you brought up a good point. Coaches are, are so great uh, with kids um, kind of stepping in and being that father figure. You know, for me, uh, my boys, like your boys, my boys played sports their entire lives. And I coached every single one of their teams all the way up through high school. Uh, and it, the interesting thing is um, I enjoyed being a coach for them because it allowed us to build our bond and our relationship uh, together and be closer together. Uh, but one of the one of the things that I enjoyed most about being a coach was being a part of the other men's or these other young men's lives of parents because they've had parents that were not able to be at their sporting events. Uh, I've had players that I have coached that I've never even met their parents because they just, you know, they have to work, they have things come up, they just not able to make it. And stepping in as kind of that father figure to them. Um, and the funny thing is I've had players that have graduated high school and have reached out to me wanting to sit down and, and kind of talk about what they're doing with their life because they're kind of lost. Um, I had one in particular just a couple of years ago, right before COVID, he had reached out to me because he was kind of lost in what he wanted to do after high school. And so we sat down and wrote out a game plan. I, I held him accountable. I gave him some books to read. I had had him write some goals down. And then within six months, he was in college and looking to play football in college. So those kind of things, uh, those kind of experiences, what I loved most about being a coach. Uh, and so, yes, coaches are a huge, can be huge role models for, for boys and girls for that matter, but uh, they can be huge role models for boys in particular. So uh, that's awesome. Um, so yes, again, going back to the whole takes a village thing, but uh, it's important to remember to keep keep uh, men involved in their lives because they need that that masculine male figure to kind of help guide them because you can't do it alone. And there's only so much you know about you know that side of life. So yes, <laughs> agreed. <laughs> um, let me ask you this: There's so many single moms out there like you who are trying to fulfill that mom and dad role. Um, what's your best advice for those who look up to you as a role model? I would say you can't do it all. Um, right. You know, as much as you try, as much as you try to spread yourself thin, as much as you try to bend over backwards to fill in the gaps, um, you can't do it all. So that's been, there's so much grace in the single parent journey. Um, even, you know, around the house, I have a pile of dishes sitting on the counter. I don't have a kitchen right now. I haven't had a working kitchen sink in like three months. I've been remodeling the kitchen. And so I've been doing dishes in the bathroom. So I have a pile of dishes sitting on the counter that I didn't get to last night. And that's okay. You know, I think it's giving ourselves so much grace, grace upon grace upon grace that we cannot, we cannot do it all. We don't have to do it all. It's okay to ask for help. It's okay if the dishes wait till the next day. It's okay if you don't make it to that third, fourth, fifth, sixth after school function that your kids are invited to. Like there is so much grace in the single parenting journey. And remember that you're only one person. You are not two people. You are only one person. And, you know, I even try to be really honest with my kids and invite them into 
that conversation too and remind them every once in a while, like, hey, it's just me. <laughs> hey, like, it's like, I don't know if you guys remember, but it's just me. And I like, and I can't do it all. Um, so I think just being honest with yourself, being honest with your kids and just um, having grace upon grace upon grace in the journey and and being willing to ask for help when you need to, too. You know, that even with the boys sports, I had three little boys playing baseball and it was just chaotic and nuts. And a lot of the times their games were at the same time on the weekend. And so asking family to be there so we could divide and conquer because I couldn't I can't divide and conquer as one person right. <laughs> asking friends to be there. You know, can you pick them up? I can drop them off. I can stay for half the game. So same thing, you know, it does take a village and it does take a team and um, you can't do it all on your own and just have so much grace and be so kind to yourself. Um, and it's, and I try to always remember that it's just a season, you know, this season, especially with young kids, like it's just a season and hopefully, um, I know it's not going to get easier, but it'll get different over time and um, my boys will be able to be a little more self-sufficient as they get a little older I'm not going to be running them around as much but so much grace be kind to yourself ask for help um, those have been key things for me yeah um, two things that stick out uh, in, in what you said there uh, give yourself grace super important I think too many parents in particular forget that they, they feel like they carry the weight of their world on their shoulders and to give yourself grace and do what you can do and do at the best that you can do and, and put everything else aside. Uh, the second thing is, is not be afraid to ask for help. Sometimes people think that, well, if I ask for help, I feel like a failure. Like I failed at something. Uh, don't be afraid to ask for help and people will understand. And the crazy thing is as much as we are afraid to ask for help, um, people are willing to help. You, you just don't realize it. If you ask for help, I, I, you, I'm sure you'll be amazed at how many people will say, I'll help. I'm there. Mm -hmm. You know, So give yourself grace. Make sure you guys are asking for help um, because as Kayla said, you're not two people. You're one person and you do the best you can and uh, forget the rest, right? Yeah. Um, awesome. Now, difficult question for you. Maybe not for you. <clears throat> um, but what would you say to a parent who may see warning signs with their child might mm. be struggling with something? Maybe it's depression or anxiety, um, but yeah. maybe going through something, what would your advice be to parents that may see those warning signs? The first thing that comes to mind is to take it seriously, um, to not brush it off, to not brush it off as hormones, to not brush it off as moodiness, um, but to take it seriously. And my second piece of advice would be to ask questions, um, to sit down and have a conversation with your kid, to ask them the tough questions. If you feel like they're struggling with depression, if you feel like they're potentially suicidal, like ask those really hard questions, um, sit with them, care for them, look them in the eye, even if they don't want to, maybe it's scooping them up from school early. Maybe it's taking them out to dinner, um, you know, by yourself and having a one-on-one -on -one conversation. I think it's being honest and, and with them and what you've noticed about their behavior or, or things that they've said, or maybe their behavior with their friends, um, having those open, honest dialogue with them and knowing when to take it seriously and knowing when to reach out for help. And if you do need to reach out for help, you know, maybe it's seeing a therapist. You know, therapy has been such a powerful tool in my own life. And, you know, my boys haven't, haven't done therapy yet. They haven't needed it yet. I'm keeping an eye on them and I know it's probably coming um, for them one day, but 
you know, I think having that therapy um, therapist role in their in involved in their lives and having that person in their lives can be really helpful too. If they don't feel like they can talk to you about what they're going through, um, they can have another safe person that's neutral that they don't see every day that they can talk about all those things with that you can trust. And so um, I think if you, if they feel uncomfortable talking to you about their mental health, um, inviting that other person into into the family, really, to help you raise, you know, um, your child and help you process their trauma or what they're going through in a safe, neutral space um, can be so powerful. So I would highly recommend therapy. And then I would just highly recommend like taking it seriously and having some really intentional time. You know, I think giving our kids one-on-one time, especially when you have multiple kids and if you're a working parent, giving your kids uh, one-on-one uninterrupted time, I think it's one of the best gifts we can give our kids. My boys get so excited when they know they're going to have some one-on-one time with mom. Um, So, yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. I think, um, obviously we talk a lot about, about it on my show about being intentional with our kids. Um, I think one of the other areas that we really need to focus on, uh, in parenting, we may see, think we're seeing those warning signs is that communication. Like you said, be open and honest with telling your child, uh, what you're noticing. Um, but having those intentional, uh, face-to-face conversations, they may be tough for you as parents, Uh, But those are important conversations to have. Uh, At first, your child may be unwilling to open up. And those are the times where maybe it is appropriate to seek uh, additional help outside the house, like a therapist of some sort. Uh, But I think those one-on-one times where you have intentional conversations, really honing in on the areas that you're worried about with your child and letting them know uh, that this is a safe space for them to talk to you. Uh, there's no, uh, there's not going to be any um, repercussion for them opening up to you. Um, I think having kids, sometimes kids may fear that you will not love them anymore, or that you will think of them differently. And I think if you help them understand that I am here for you, I am on your side, I'm your teammate, I want to support you. So what can I do to help you uh, struggle through what it is you're going through. What can I do? Um, asking those questions are so powerful um, and can go a long ways. I know a lot of parents that have struggled with kids that have gone through bouts of depression or anxiety and those conversations um, help. And then obviously seeking the outside uh, help as far as a therapist goes. Therapy is not a bad thing, folks. Therapy is not a bad thing. It's a very healthy, natural um, process that a lot of adults and kids go through. Um, I have seen therapists. Uh, my wife and I actually have a marriage coach that we see. She's a licensed therapist. Um, it, just an outsider to get their perspective on, on what it is that may be going on in your mind or because or, you just, we won't figure it out on our own. So having a therapist to do that with us is, is completely natural and completely healthy. So um, one last question and I'll let you go. Um, if you've... Let me ask you this. You've most likely you've learned or you've had to do this with your boys, but what advice would you give to a parent that may be struggling to nurture a kid that may be going through a grief period? Maybe um, they're going through a a loss of a parent. Um, what, What advice would you give to parents that may be struggling to nurture their child through grief? Hmm. 
I think the biggest thing that you can do as a parent is to be honest about your own grief. Um, mm. I think that's been one of the biggest gifts I've been able to give my kids is to share with them when I'm having a hard day is to invite them into my own grief journey. You know, if I'm inviting them into mine, they're probably going to invite me into theirs. And so, um, you know, if I'm, if I'm crying because I miss their dad, I tell them I'm crying because I miss your dad. If I had a really hard day and I'm like, not okay. When I pick them up from school, I tell them, you know, I was missing daddy a lot today and I had a really hard day and I'm like, not okay. Um, so being honest with them about my own emotions and my own grief journey, I think opens the door for them to be willing to be honest too. And it, and it opens the door for some of those harder conversations too. You know, when I'm sharing about how I'm missing him. Um, it's an opportunity for me to ask them like, Hey, does, do you ever experience that? Do you ever have hard days? Do you ever have moments where you're crying because you miss your dad? And what does that feel like for you? And how can I support you in that? And um, what does it feel like when other kids on the playground are talking about their dad or, or do, do people at school ask you about your dad? You know, I think having again it's like going back to the whole having those intentional conversations with our kids and modeling what healthy grieving looks like for our kids too that you know loss isn't something that's like a one-time thing and a certain amount of years go by and then it's over it's like it's a lifelong journey the loss of their dad the loss of my husband is a lifelong journey um the grief is a lifelong journey and yes time does change it and yes like pursuing healing and walking with God through our grief does change it. Um, but that pain, um, we will carry that pain with us for the rest of their, of our lives. And I think my job as a parent, is to help my child, as long as they're living with me, even when they're not living with me anymore, is to help them steward that pain is to help them learn how to, how to invite that pain into their life is to help them learn how to process that pain and cohabitate with that pain and get help for that pain when they need to, too, and to be honest about that pain and vulnerable about that pain. And I think that starts with us um, and our willingness to get help and to be honest and to be vulnerable and to have conversations and talk about it. You know, I think oftentimes when something really hard happens, a lot of us don't want to talk about it. And so we take down the pictures and we stop the conversations and we don't bring it up. Last week, just a few weeks ago was Andrew's birthday. And it would have been really easy. My boys don't remember. They don't, you know, they don't know that May 19th is their dad's birthday. And um, it would have been really easy for me to just like go through the day. They had baseball, they had school, they had a lot of stuff happening that day. And it would have been really easy for me to just skip over it and not even mention it to my kids. And instead, you know, I, I, we were on our way home from a baseball game the night before, and I had a really intentional conversation with them. And I said, Hey, tomorrow's your dad's birthday. What do you guys want to do? How do you guys want to celebrate your dad? How do you want to make it special? We have a baseball game tomorrow night, so we can't not go to that, but how can we make the day special? And so we decided together, you know, we would get donuts for school in the morning. We'd pick up some of his favorite snacks and eat them on the sidelines at the game. We'd get in and out after the game. Cause that's what he loved. And you know, it, being able to invite them into those moments, to those hard days, um, and invite them to have a voice, you know, on some of those hard days too, has been really powerful for us um, in our journey. But you know, I think it all it all starts with you as a parent and your ability to model what it looks like to grieve well. Yeah, um, I I think that's awesome, um, and I agree with you. It's something that uh, 
we can be vulnerable with our kids. Um, it's okay to open up and share emotions uh, that you may be experiencing or may have experienced in your life. Uh, because listen, we're, we're not going to get parenting right 100% of the time. But one thing that we can do is if we're vulnerable with our kids, you'll be amazed at how, um, how well they adapt to your emotions and, and going through that experience with you and you sharing your emotions with them just helps them understand it better and know that it's okay to grieve. It's okay to feel the way you're feeling, but it's important to talk about it too. And especially to talk about it with a parent or a loved one that they feel close to. Um, so yes, opening up to our kids, sharing our own emotions, our own experiences that we've gone through as, as parents in the grieving processes is, is really crucial. And I think it even carries on to when they're adults, my boys are adults now, but just being the guide for them, if they ever experience anything in their lives that they're struggling with, just kind of sharing my own experience saying, Hey, I know what you're going through. This is what happened to me when I was your age, or this is what happened to me at such and such time. And I know this is how I handled it. And this is, this is how I, how you can handle it. Um, and just being vulnerable to those. So uh, that's awesome. Um, Kayla, it has been awesome having you on the show. I really appreciate it. If my listeners, viewers wanted to look you up, learn a little bit more about you, what's the best place for them to do that? I think Instagram is the best place. My Instagram handle is Kayla Steck. Um, my website, if you want to, you know, reach out and connect through an email, my website's kaylastecline.com. Awesome. I'll make sure to put all that in the show notes, but uh, I want you to know that my thoughts and prayers are with you and the boys um, as you uh, go on in this new journey of yours, this new life of yours. Um, but uh, it's been an honor, a pleasure of mine having you on. Um, I really appreciate you taking the time. Uh, it's been great to know you. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much, Brian. Such an honor to be here. Thank you. Thank you guys very much for joining me and Kayla on another episode of Dad Up. I really appreciate you guys being here. I know that we had some uh, tough conversations, but these are important conversations. Mental health is a major issue, a major crisis in, in our world today with, uh, with what's going on in this world. Um, it's a major issue right now, and it's something to take seriously. There's various ways to get help that you need, whether it's through the National uh, Suicide Prevention Hotline, um, whatever those may be, seek that help. It's important that you seek that help because it's better for you and better for your family if you do. So um, I'll make sure to put all that in my show notes. If you need help or you're looking to, you need some attention, you need some help in, in working through some issues, um, reach out to these hotlines because uh, they're always there for you. So um, thank you again, Kayla. I really appreciate it. Make sure you guys um, catch me on another episode of Dad Up. Thank you very much. Thanks so much for listening to the episode. Make sure you guys subscribe to my podcast and YouTube channel. And please do me a favor, leave a rating and a review. Would love to hear from you and see what you think of the show. Stay tuned for more exciting episodes each week. Until next time, thank you for listening to the Data Podcast. <laughs>